Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, David. Look, everybody's here. It's like the whole, here's the story of a man named Questy. Yes, it's all of us here. It's very nice to see you. Great to see you too, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. I'm your host, Questlove. Hey, guys, when can we call it the award-winning Questlove Supreme? Uh, Five years ago. (laughs) Oh, really? That's I like that. That's right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the illustrious, award-winning Questlove Supreme. There you go. <laughs> right. Sorry. I'm excited to be part of this. Actually, if you're, if you're really good, we might make you part of the team. So that's, that's the joy of... It's coming. Yes. We might just steal you away. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we uh, are with our Team Supreme members. Uh, Sugar Steve, how is life? It's like quarantine, but you get to leave the house and do whatever the heck you want and work on all the shit you ever wanted to work on. And uh, the first single from your record dropping this Friday from Plum on JMI is coming out. Brown Doves on Friday. Questlove. And uh, you should have seen Sean G's face when he learned that I have a, a jazz record coming out. So, yeah, he knows about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, unpaid bill. Yeah, man. Yo. Uh, how, how's life uh, post Tony? Great. I didn't win shit. It was, the Tonys were wonderful. Uh, it's Whiskey Wednesday. Who won? Who won what? All of them. I guess Aunt Juliet didn't win. Did, y'all didn't get in. Aunt Juliet did not win a Tony, but that's okay because the doors are still open. Y'all still the shit, though. Thank you. Who yeah. wound up winning? I'm just curious. Kimberly Akimbo won a lot of Tonys, mostly for Best Musical, et cetera, et cetera. It was a weird it's, thing. It was very It's called Kimberly Akimbo. Kimberly Akimbo. What's the part? What's the play call, Bill? That's what I think he's asking. Oh, it's that's what it's called. It's called Kimberly oh. Akimbo. I wish I could tell you something about it. I've not seen it, so I don't know. <laughs> so I'm just gonna drink whiskey on Wednesdays. And- <laughs> there you go, Kimberly Akimbo. Uh, Laia, how are you? I know we're in the same city, and I failed to tell you I've been here for a week. You Did- know, I want to give you the shade, friend. I do, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a very good friend of mine, very a very very good friend of mine, is uh, coming to visit us on the show. 
I will say that um, our guest, his namesake, uh, he is the founding member and <laughs> of one of the most powerful. I, well, the way that laugh came, I hope you are the founding member of the band that's your namesake. So anyway, one of the most powerful, one of the most creative, one of the most exciting, one of the most loved, popular bands in all of the world. I will say that this band has, I mean, a mixture of cult following and mainstream because the numbers are there. You know, they have, they have mainstream following as well. Um, we all know the hits. We know Crashing to Me, Ants Marching, Too Much, Crush. I also just realized that this group, they've released nine studio albums, but however, they are the first band to have seven albums debut at number one. Mm. And... Um, He's giving us the honor right now, celebrating him with him uh, their their newest album, which is entitled "Walk Around the Moon." What can I say, man? One of the nicest guys on earth. If you ever have the pleasure of opening for this guy, he will actually introduce you and stand what? on stage and watch you perform in front of the crowd of fifteen. But what more can I say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was an extremely generous. I mean, generous, but also precisely <laughs> true. I have a hilarious story. So when we first started opening for Dave, uh, one of our very first shows was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm. And there were, I guess, uh, as far as the comp ticket situation was concerned, I believe each member, because it was Philadelphia and our families were coming, like I think each family member got like, each band member got eight tickets. And the thing was, I didn't have anyone coming to see, so I had eight tickets, but our bus, our tour bus, was kind of parked where the general public could see us. Like, we weren't in the tunnel with Dave's 42 trillion tour buses, so we were kind of on the, we were where, like, <laughs> his crowd could see us, and there were so many people there that were, like, desperate for tickets. Like, ah, anything, I need tickets, I would take my, my kids to see Dave Matthews. So I was like, well... I got eight tickets. I'll just give them to him. Mm. So I'm in Philadelphia in my own town. Now it's 2003. <laughs> so yes, we already won a Grammy. We're, we're, you know, we're not, uh, Humble you bread. know, we're, you guys were, a, were killing. It was so exciting that you guys were, over, were, were playing with us. Well, here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. So I'm figuring like, wow, I'm watching this dad struggle to get him and his two kids in. I'm actually going to walk up to him. And give him my four tickets that he needs. <laughs> and what's going to happen? But I know it's going to be funny. <laughs> it was such, it was such a pie in the face moment because it was like I don't know if he just wasn't used to acts that generous or anything, but he did not trust that my tickets were legit. And I was like, well, I'm the opening act. I'm I'm in the roots, the roots. And he, he was like. Huh? I said, I'm one of the opening acts. See, that's my tour bus. Here, I'm giving you these four tickets. And it's like he took them, but it was almost like he was waiting for that proverbial anvil to fall on his head. He still stood there. I was like, well, you're going to go in the stadium, right? You, you. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was as if if I were going to walk away, he was still, still stood there and been like, all right, does someone have four tickets so I can get inside the Dave Matthews? Like, it's as if he did not believe that 
So he blocked his blessing. I, I hope he did not get in and realize that he had really good seats. But I wish you could have just taken them back. It seems like a little bit of a rude uh, response to. Well, it's Philadelphia, and yeah. Philadelphia is very non-trusting. Yeah, especially of kind gestures. That part. So, and it's and but it's also you know hometown, so you'd feel like. Um, I, I thought. Yeah. You know what, Dave? I'm just realizing that I've had some of the most interesting career pivots courtesy of you. Mm, what that means? Sounds like a lot. Yeah. What the? Like what? No, it just hit me that I once fired an assistant at a Dave Matthews show because she, uh, you remember, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She beat me in Scrabble and like. So I guess the, the rumor around Philadelphia is that I'm a sore loser at Scrabble when I fired my assistant. But, but it was just is she well, it was a disrespectful way that she gloated. So And what ooh. does Dave have to do with that? Why are you blaming Dave? I immediately hired her. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yo, Steve. Steve. Do yes. you know how we got Dave Matthews? I remember I see. That's we, funny. We, I remember. we stole from Dave Matthews. Like, oh, my so, God. Anyway, we, we, can, we can go on forever. How are you doing, man? What's going on? We're uh, on the road, except I'm home. My son just had his birthday. He turned 16. So Ooh. that's sort of where my head is in, in a way because it's a kind of exciting thing for me. Wait, you're conducting a podcast interview in the middle of your son's 16th birthday? No, the the day after. So, oh, so okay. no, no, I I would have. I think we 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 scheduled this again and again, but uh, for both of us. But I wouldn't have put it on his birthday because he. I mean, I'm not right. that he would have cared because he he was he didn't. I I was available for him, but he wasn't as available for me because he's 16. And then, <laughs> so now you're in dad territory. No, what's the 16 year old like? That was a little yeah. bit ex expressive. I mean, he there's times we I, that's I'm not selling him short, but but there he's busy, right? So so um, there's times when uh, uh, he's not available. And 13, 13 to twenty two. I get it. I was that person too. There. So and I know that I was busy. I I, I didn't want to abandon my mother, um, <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff that I had to experiment with. And she understood, and now I, get I, I think I understand. So, but I, we, you know, we're we're touring. Uh, it's the season, and so that's what I'm doing. And I'm happily here, and happy to, very happy to talk, finally talk to you. I just have to say, I'm a mad. You know, you know that I'm an insane fan, so of yours and Thank of you. the roots, but also likewise. So when when I heard when I heard that you were thinking that um, I would be an interesting guest, I calmly said. Affirmative. Thank you. I, and I appreciate that. The, the, the love is mutual. Wait, can I ask, does touring at this level for you ever get tiring? Because at least for me, I, I will say there's probably two acts that I've learned the most from in terms of touring. And that is the Beastie Boys when we really first started touring. And then you were pivotal and when we really got established. And just the, the small things that we didn't know that could happen on a tour. Like you were the first band that we saw that had like communication microphones 
on stage so you could talk to each other. And I was like, wait, I don't have to yell anymore? Like, go to the next part. Skip yeah. the third verse. Like, I, have to, I have to address this because this is serious stuff. This is serious. I was on the side of the stage. We were up. It was a rainy day. I can't remember, but we were both there. Mm -hmm. uh, we just talked backstage just quickly as we were going. But I have to say this. I'd never been on in-ears with you guys. And, I mean, I, and heard you guys talking to each other like that. Right. And hear you shouting um, the uh, changing arrangement. It was, it, it, my head, ex I was just. It's was, crazy. It, like, well, first of all, I will never take that much responsibility for anything spontaneously. That's terrifying to me because oh, you don't do no, that. It was you. No, well, I mean, but I mean, we do say let's change this, let's do this. What about it? We go and we let things happen. But you're actually turning yeah, all over the place. You did something even better than that. You were cracking jokes, yeah. and I was like, wait a minute, we can actually crack jokes. And you know, there, there, there was a a, a turnaround or a shift. Where for us, it was like the same grind, the same, you know, just rigmarole or whatever. And after we got done touring with you, I was like, yo, I want, I want to do the same thing Dave Matthews does, the whole communication thing. And then suddenly, our ability to joke with each other in one microphone while still doing, like, the show, the audience is getting the show that they're getting. Mm -hmm. But it's also like... Yo, third row, third row, far left. He just fell down. He spilled. He spilled wine all over. Ooh, ah, oh, y'all see that? Like, that is a very. It is. I do think that this. I have to say this. I think that being able to talk to each other is. It opens up when we figured out that that was possible. It did suddenly create this sense of um we we were worried a little bit some of the time that there was going to be times when you know people would zap in and they could pull they someone's going to get on our wavelength and they're going to hear yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody puke and then i'd be like oh no god and it would it would come out you know right 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 <laughs> you know like I, uh I, I enrique did... inglaces yes so i mean i that happened to enrique inglaces really that's that and i hear about those things i mean i i I'll, you know, often I'll say something to the audience and it'd be, even if it's earnest and I mean it sincerely and it's something about whatever, something that's happened, I'll turn around and look at the band and then say something that is totally, oh, it's just, just so everyone break, just so, you know, so it's something heavy, turn around and say something that I don't, in, until, you know, we've been on this podcast for a long time. Right, right. Completely at home. I'm not going right. to. I'm not going to go, but it does feel like um, there's, it does, has a weird thing of, uh, connects to the music in a way that I think may have happened in time, would have been easier for it to happen in smaller venues when, when we were starting out or in a different band, you know, you sitting around all playing mm -hmm. together, then, yeah. then you can say, you can shout things or play the bridge or let's do this or what about those titties or whatever it is, which, which that was our was conversation fun. earlier. Sorry. You heard. Yes. That. Yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> so, so, but once, once we were, it was loud and you couldn't, and we couldn't really communicate that, that whole spontaneity that, that happens, it go sort of goes away and the conversation is only in the music. And 
So I do think that was a I, – I know what you mean. But then that it flipped around, and then right. when I saw you up in wherever and then watched you doing this conducting thing, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And now that I know ah, – <laughs> I, I live for nothing more than those serious moments, those, those benefits, those really earnest, quiet moments. I live for those moments because, yes, in the communication microphone, I'm going to say the most, my goal is to make them break and crack up while being forced to keep a serious face. Like, mm. that's mean. I, mm-hmm. uh, I love doing it. That's my favorite thing, especially, especially if there's a boring guest on The Tonight Show. That's when I'll really come alive. <laughs> And oh. and provoke them. I'll have sound effects like snoring sounds and <laughs> oh, that's so the, I, and, of course that's you would take it to the next level because well, um, uh, first of all, now I'm instantaneously paranoid. But that um, <laughs> uh, goes not that I've not that you know it's been a while since. Uh, so if you when you when you talk to Jimmy, say well, you know just just invite me well, on. Let him be a couch guest. <laughs> Even if it's to make a fool of me, I don't care. I'll, I'll but wait, mock. you got an album out, so that should be like uh, too sweet. Oh, actually, it's right. Strike. Okay. Oh, yeah, like oh, yeah. Let's. Dang. Like yeah. I, I was going to say, let's make sure that <laughs> we have a TV show to do. But yeah, that's but, damn, that's affected. That's affected this project a lot, then, right? Because you were talking you, about you were talking crazy. about like it did sound sort of like the pandemic with uh, when you guys without when you can go outside, yeah. But you can go outside. Um, it uh, does. It's like the pandemic if you lived in the woods. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but does that basically mean that you'll just have to double up in radio promotions or yeah. just uh, do creative things like stuff on YouTube or like what is it? What does it mean to have a new album and not be able to promote it on the medium on of tele- television? Unless you do the view. Well, I will. I, I oh, really? Yeah, the view I, they're still working. Uh, what What did they do? The view still to, working. The view is still working. Yeah, they they tell you every, before every show. Whoopi will be like, just so y'all know, we don't have writers, so don't be coming at us about what we asking because this is okay. all us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, Makes sense. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're spontaneous. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Um, I didn't realize that. Well, that that it shows sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it absolutely but shows. I haven't watched the view very often. And so any judgment I pass is um, unfair. No, that's fine. Um, I got it. But I, uh, but I do. Yeah, we were supposed to do some shows and they were canceled. But at this, at the same time, I sometimes think this people are still coming to the shows, and and so, and you know, it's adding more music into it. We're not only playing the record, and and so, so it's you know just I don't pay enough attention to anything. That's what I, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good answer too. Yeah. And the Dave Matthews band, do they need the same machine and everybody at this point? You're right. Like people know when the music's coming out, your people know, and it does, it probably doesn't make a huge effect that you don't have to do like TV. Yeah, like we're, that. yeah we're, we're, we're lucky. And then we'll cram a bunch of TV in when nobody cares. You know um, something though, <laughs> speaking of which, um, uh, I'm working on a project of which your musical performances from like 93 to about 96 are included in this project. And I wanted to know, especially for um, 
your 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 song structures. How limiting is it to do television if you only have a four minute and thirty second window? Because you know, from my experiences of being at Dave Matthews shows, like you guys cook for six to eight minutes on songs, which you know, like the solos are the best they part do of the both. I, I think that that's true. That's like, the best like part. I do, it is my favorite part is when everything gets uh, gets cracked open and then um, and then we can, you know, be spontaneous. And when the when the even vocally, when things when melodies change. But uh, I don't know. It's it is a it's a weird it's a weird uh, television is very stressful. Mm, when you okay. Have, when you do and have three minutes, I don't know. You know, I was worried the mix is going to sound as bad as it might, and then I'm worried uh, that I'm going to suck, and then I'm worried it's too. How can you do anything in two and a half minutes? It is a panic. It is All panic. Right. So anytime there's an opportunity to mock myself, which is you know, I often, I, I yeah, I like that. That's what I. I'm glad that. <laughs> I'm glad that um, Fallon, when I come on that show, then I can uh, go oh, yeah, have fun. You remember? Have a little fun. Yeah, when I came on that show and did the uh, uh, trap thing. Yes, and you guys were singing. The, yes, I yeah. do remember that. So I got it, to, but I have to tell you, I worked so hard on that Cardi B tune to make sure that that even though I was just goofing off on the guitar, I wanted to get every single... <laughs> I have every single of course i didn't want to i didn't want people to think think what song is i wanted very specifically we knew someone to know what it was because it it is i'm very loose about sticking to the script mm-hmm. but in that instance i felt like the script was the only thing that would make it work so i had to at least be Otherwise, it would have been. I, I, I could have, if, if being the normal me, I could have just, I could have phoned it in, and and people have been like, I have no idea what he's doing. We have no idea what music he's singing. Right. So I had to be much more strict than I am with my normal music, which is, um, which is, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if I get my lyrics right. So, so wait, when you did that, when you did that, that, that piece with Cardi and stuff, you, your sixteen-year-old is your, is your oldest kid. He's my baby. I He's have, your baby. So this is good. So what did your kids say about you doing that? And <laughs> did Dad? they have it? No, <laughs> no, he, he, he laughed. He, he, he thought it was pretty fun. He actually did. He even was nice enough to say, you know, it sounded. It didn't sound right, but, it, you know, he said it sounded pretty good. Dad. Are your children, are they musicians? Are my, they- son, my son plays um, the piano and he plays the guitar, but and he enjoys it but he doesn't like to do it as far as i know one time all the kids there's a party and all the kids were playing their their, with their piano some kids were better than other kids right stay i said i said to him i wish i wish you got up and played the piano and he looked at me and he said dad i will never ever do what i was like but it was just, it was kind of interesting, but it was, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Is, I, I understand what he's saying. He's saying, uh, there's this, there's a different world and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not jumping in it right now. So you don't Dude, even expect that. Don't even, don't expect even, it. don't even, well, I'm going to go play football. 
I was I was forced in the family business. Like I would just naturally think that, you know, any progeny or whatever, like you just automatically I figured at least by ten or twelve, like he's gonna sit in and sit on a high chair and start playing with you and eventually I mean in in your mind, would you like that or is that like no, just me, Carter and and and, and like Stefan, like this is our thing and our thing only or I don't know if I'd want my son to come and uh, I mean, I, I would love it if he wanted to, but it's not something that I think about. I'd love him to find he has his own musical. He likes has a pretty wide perspective on, of the kind of music he enjoys. And he always surprises me. But that's what I, I want him to find music the way I did. I guess I came from a family. There were no musicians, but my mom, you know, listened to a lot of classical music. Uh, my parents did. And and then also some folk music. And and then I found my way. My brother turned me on to music. I think I found a Beatles record or something. And 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 so I kind of felt that's kind of the way I found music. And so there's been music around my kids and in our house. All oh, snap. I've, I've, but yeah, I've never really uh-huh. said, he answered it without wait, asking. Wait, wait. I was like, snap. Wait a minute. We're doing a podcast. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, you hey, thought look. you and Dave were just talking and catching up. Wait a okay. minute. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh my God, 28 minutes? <laughs> this is a new Dave. record. Yo, he wait. wait. <laughs> Can we each have one word of the question? What happened? <laughs> Stop. Stop. Go Stop. ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Go. Go ahead. Okay. What was <laughs> your first, first musical memory? <laughs> Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. That's usually the first question we ask Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, well, we this is the level of comfort I have with Dave Matthews. I legit forgot I was doing a podcast. I, I was totally, I let a half hour go by and I didn't even start the process. No. I was like, maybe he's doing his remake. Sometimes we remake well, it. We don't start from the beginning. I'm, well, I'm here. So, uh, I, you know, if we have to start again, I'm happy. No, to. no, no. We're not starting again. <laughs> but I, but I will, I will say this. Um, but the question was, what was your first musical memory? I would like to say my first live music that I remember. Like I think it was my first memory because I think I was sitting between my mom's knees. I was a little kid, you know, sort of, and uh, on the back of a flatbed truck, uh, Pete Seeger was playing the band wow. singing really and uh i remember thinking that guy's awesome and he was so weird he was such a weird but he was so he had he was so friendly and so that's my first like i feel Which like country I, was this dave because you've lived in a lot of places where were you when you saw in, um up upstate not upstate new york but you know north of new york city so okay. he was in croton quite a bit and uh in that area and uh was it yeah. turn 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 or I can't remember what song I don't think it was I can't remember what songs he was playing I just remember thinking this and people were you know it was relaxed and everything but then I think my when I was five years old I remember liking the Jackson Five so I'm not entirely sure whether that was because why I fell in love with them was because they had a five in right their, right but then I really did love um, them and then I I I fell in love with the Beatles and. I became, I would say, a bore until my brother opened my brain when I was about ten, and my brother was turned me on to other kinds of music, and 
and then I and then I it was the seventies, so I could listen to the radio and you could hear, you know, in the seventies, you could have the radio on and it could be like, at least, well, PLJ or whatever it was, you know, it was like, uh, it could be, it would be like John Denver and then Marvin Gaye and then Paul and then, uh, you know, Donna Summers. And then, you know, I remember my mom would always go to the radio when Donna Summers came on and she'd be going, Oh, love to love you, baby. My mom like, I don't like this song. Right, right. <laughs> and then she'd wait for it to be over. But I remember my mom always running to the radio and turning off the... And that was the only song I could remember her response. I think it was just... It was too much... It was There was too much lovemaking in that song for my mom. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. 
Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back when we scheduled this interview weeks ago, I watched about three interviews of yours, and they're pretty much they're pretty much the same format. Like they talk about, you know, your beginnings in South Africa, moving to the states, and then putting the band together. They talk about so. I'm actually going to go back to where we were just five minutes ago. I'm going to talk to you like a friend, not as a music expert. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, no, no, no. I want to ask you random things. So I I totally, I put my script script away. All right. So this is what I want to know. And this is, I'm asking you just your everyday life questions. Okay. For, For our listeners, I feel like you know a lot about a person based on their Starbucks order. What is your main order at Starbucks? I, uh, <laughs> a, 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 an Americana with uh, cream. All right. What's that in English, Steve? Because you know that you got to translate for me. Espresso, <laughs> espresso with water in it. Steve is our uh, resident Starbucks uh, uh, addict. He goes in. And I, have a, I have a coffee shop in Seattle that, you know, everyone has the best coffee shop in the world. But this actually yeah. is the best coffee shop. And it's called uh, Lighthouse. And, um, well, there's a, there's some, there's a lot of great coffee shops here as there are, as much as there are everywhere. But this, this particular one, I, I call it that, uh, and it's a small little one. And so I hope that it doesn't piss them off that I just, uh, told everyone, about. but I get more cappuccinos and lattes and mm-hmm. macchiatos, not the one that you get at Starbucks, but the original sort of simple, uh, foam and, and espresso when I go there because everything they make, I, even if I just get a shot of espresso, everything they make there is delicious. But if I go to Starbucks, I know it's going to be the, if I get a four shot Americano, it's going to taste exactly the same in Des Moines as it will taste in Tokyo or Yorktown Heights, New York. Yeah, It's not going to be any different. Shit. They Wait, what part of what part of the world do you do? You, what part of the world are you living in now? Are you oh, I, Virginia I'm in Seattle. or I live in Seattle? So I'm between. I sort of live between Virginia and Seattle. But my children, because my wife studied medicine here, my children were born in Seattle. I bored. He just he just got, he just got up and left. Yeah, he's oh, over. He always. He's, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I hate it when people it, talk it, about their children and where they're from. I just had to. I had to take a break. <laughs> I had yeah, to take a break. I know, I know what you mean. It's where, it's where I just did, and I did it all, and I'm, and I keep doing it. Where do you live? I live in Seattle. Anyway, so I, my, uh, we ended up being here, and we like it in Seattle a lot, and we also. Yo, those are opposite towns, by the way. That's a, that's some interesting duality of of worlds that you got going on, Charlottesville, and then Seattle. That's right. And not- it is true, but it's it's also funny because. There's assumptions we make about both, which are true, true but are also, <laughs> which are but which are also but are also very um, not true at all. Right, so, right. You know, very often, very. They are op- not monoliths. They are not monoliths. No, and um, maybe Charlottesville is. I guess it, it, well, it's a wonderful place, but every place could be a little more aware of itself than it is. I imagine. Yeah. I bet your kids are hell around, well rounded. For those reasons though that's what i was thinking too like they get they know all the things i think that i think i have nice i think i have kind children that's the main you thing do. I met your children. yeah 
You absolutely and do. And, I've, and, and I also think that my children are well-rounded enough that they, uh, they act polite and well put together when they, when, they, when they see you quest, but they are very excited. Oh. I have one great story that made me really proud of my kids. So Hit one it. of my favorite musicians is Danny Barnes. He's a banjo player out of Austin. He lives up in this oh, area. Oh, fuck now, it. Many, yeah, oh, fuck it. I had, enough, um, 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 I had enough of that. My pole barn fell into my peaches. My bucket oh, got oh, <laughs> I'm looking him up right now. You know, it's, it's so, it's, he's so funky. Oh, fuck it. Um, hey, last time we were together a hundred years ago at Sesame Street, you brought up Danny Barnes. I feel like he's a common, he's a common. I, did, I love him, but I love you love story him because love um, him. wait, he was on Sesame Street, Bill. Uh, David Danny Barnes was not on Sesame Street. That would be amazing. No, <laughs> Dave, Dave Dave Matthews, this person, he was on Sesame Street. So you brought him to Sesame Dave. Street. Okay, great. I, I, I brought him not, up. He, I, I was I was very happy to be on Sesame Street. But anyway, my yes. thing. Someone, someone, some kid asked my kids if they knew bob marley and i think they were they were asking them <laughs> if they had ever heard of bob marley <laughs> but um my kids were spoiled and i remember my daughter said um they were little and my daughter said i don't know bob marley but um we know we know danny barnes <laughs> that's right. that's there you right. go my kids Parent, parental win Effective. that's good <laughs> um all right my next everyday all question right. is what television show are you currently binging? Oh, that's a good one. That is a really good one. So yeah. I'm I'm uh, I am uh, mad that uh, I do like that uh, the Last of Us thing. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but and the last two episodes were my favorite, be and because they were just so no spoilers. Ridiculous. No spoilers. Come on, man! You gotta eat. I'm just. I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it yet. Ruthless. I just ruthless. I'm excited. So I'm sad that I got to the end. Anyway, they were ruthless. A lot of people were like, "I didn't like the last two. I was like, "I loved them." Me too. But also, I want to tell you, I think people should watch this funny. I think it's Australian show. I don't know if they haven't made any more, but it's called Mister In Between. Is anybody? This sounds familiar. Wait, wait, wait. What's what's what service? What is this on? I think it's Mr. In Between. I really I like the show. I oh, like no, I just meant Hulu. Okay, Mr. I don't no, you know what it is. I could be on Come Hulu. Come on, Dave. You know, but sometimes you just fall onto, you fall into things. It is Hulu. I know that there's going to be a, a, sh a show that I'm watching that I um, have, that I've forgotten. Okay. Um, and then there's, uh, uh, I just finished that. Res Res Dogs, it's a cool. Oh, Reservation Reservation Dogs, yes. The indigenous kids, yes. yes. Reservation Dogs, yes. Really That's a good show. Good. It's a really good show. Kind it's of. a lot of dope indigenous shows on like on streaming right now. Like they didn't include the community. It's really cool. Really oh, excited. oh oh! All of the non-musical jobs that you've had. Oh. This is my favorite episode of Questlove Supreme ever. It's yeah, because so I just want I want to know him as a human being instead of <laughs> improv. It's awesome. so I did. I I was a bartender, which is I think um, uh, not unusual for musicians. But I but I worked my way up to bartending. I started off as the salad guy. And they used to call me the nacho guy because I made more nachos than salads. And then I I waited tables. I hated. That's the worst. That's the hardest job. In the world, waiting, waiting tables. tables. I Wait, think it's the hardest you... job in the world. 
do you have the ability to carry that tray like way above your head? That's I was I was good at, <laughs> I'm good at, I'm good at tr carrying trays, but I'm also really good when I'm overwhelmed because I'm easily overwhelmed. I'm really good at pretending that someone's not in my section until they leave. <laughs> Wait. So you excuse got passive aggressively? Excuse, yeah, excuse me. Uh can can uh we haven't been served yet. I'm sorry, you're not in my section. I'm just going to but I'll let your waiter know. <laughs> I, <hate that. laughs> I didn't do I it often, that. but I did do it. And I will and I and I tell you that the one of the weird I was working on the patio and there's a lot of rats in this particular uh, underneath this mall. But I, there was a, they used to poison them. <laughs> Rats with restaurants, okay. I, I walked onto the patio where I, where I was waiting, and I looked, and there was this, there was a group of uh, women, and they were a little bit fancy. Well, not too fancy because they were at our restaurant, but they were a little bit fancy, and there was a rat at their feet. So I didn't want to say, "Excuse me, there's a rat at your feet," because <laughs> that would cause mayhem <laughs> i love the way anyway mm. so i waited for the rat to walk away from under their table ah! and, and it took so long they would move their feet like the rat would be standing on their shoe and then it would <laughs> they'd move their feet and then the rat would just walk oh i mean it was so bananas was how, a New York rat? How comfortable. It was rat. in Charlottesville. It was the most comfortable rat in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it walked out onto the, to an open area, and, and then the ladies spotted it when it was in an open area outside the restaurant. And, and one of the ladies said, oh, a rat! And then, um. Um, and then they all were like, <laughs> And then, um, <laughs> and, then, and then this dude came out of it's long clothes now. This dude came out of a Walmart, and he had a and and I was at this store now. I was like, oh, I've been. In, I, I must save. I must stop the rats. Oh, now you care. Now you care. Yeah. They didn't ate all the toes. Now I can acknowledge that the rats. That if it was on, I was just. I was so happy it made it away. Still from not your there. section. Anyway, <laughs> it wasn't in my section. And then, and this dude came out of the Walmart with a broom handle and a box and then just right in front of everyone just beat this rat to death <laughs> <laughs> all these the people were like a rat oh no a what a rat and this dude just walked out just as if nothing was and just was like, ha, 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 ha. And, like and people were like ah! and, all, and i was kind of stunned too and then he just smacked it into the box and just walked away Back, dropped the box next to, the, to Walmart. Walmart and just walked in. Not Walmart. What am I talking about? Woolworths. I said Woolworths. Woolworths. Oh, that's Woolworths. a throw. Okay. Uh, that's a throwback. Right. Whole different oh, he didn't come out of a giant mega store. He came out of the old, the little old Woolworths. I apologize. Yes. I ruined the story by saying. No, you didn't. No. no. It's almost Dave, better. Dave Matthews, you literally. Yo, guys, this might have to be my new format. <laughs> I love this oh, format. Wait, so wait that's, I... two, that's one job. What's the other four? Oh, shit. So I worked in a record store, and, and it was in South Africa, and it was when, um, oh, my God, I can't believe. Anita Baker's, like, smash album came out, and she was. Rapture. Wait, 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 time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Wait, <laughs> why did we get triggered, Laia? <laughs> yeah, we did. I was like, wait. You... <laughs> sorry, Dava. I know you ain't been watching the news lately. Inside joke. It's not Inside a game. Joke. She's not a game. She's not a game. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Inside joke. <laughs> Yeah. We just heard her name and got scared. Like, That's what the fuck? 
Steve, need to bake a trigger. Here we go. This was a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I apologize if I've uh, if I if I haven't been reading the paper. But no, no, you're good. Anyway, you're good. You're, she was. You're that album was just that was yeah. nonstop, and so Hell that yeah. was what everyone was talking. It was. Yeah. And the thing it was, it was, it was in the, it was in the city in Johannesburg, and it's and it's it was an interesting time because it's when, like Hillbrow in Johannesburg and Yeovil in Johannesburg and downtown Johannesburg where they were starting to call them gray areas because although apartheid was still like holding on with its claws, mm -hmm. it was, it was everyone, everyone knew it was at this, it was when de Klerk was about to turn. Oh, God, I heard like, that. He was going to, the president of South Africa was about to what they, you know, what the, what much of the country, uh, the white part of the country considered the great betrayal because he was hardline, apartheid guy and then suddenly he just did but i think he he got the reports from people and and and, and it was essentially you know let go or right it's over or, or you know the, the, there's going to be, be held to pay right and or get so, out or get out yeah, yeah. so anyway it was right around that time so there were these gray areas where people like where it was essentially you know already integrated and you know the police were still horrifying and it was all that was still going on but it was like these certain areas like there's sort of the hip there'd be college students and um orthodox jews and then anyone else that want to live there it's just <laughs> and and what one polish guy once said to me when i was in his cab in new york going to brooklyn he says you know why the 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 jews don't leave here the Jews don't leave here because the Jews don't take shit from anybody. That, and I was sort of so <laughs> interesting. This uh, I don't know why I did a weird, not good. No, that was. I thought that was kind of good. Yeah. I don't know, Steve, Bill, you. But I. No, thought I feel like that Polish was nailed. That was. I felt <laughs> like B, B minus. I was uh, uh, B minus is exactly right. But anyway, it was a fucking accent. Oh, <laughs> um, but anyway, it wasn't me. I didn't say it. So then, yes. but I just thought that was so I just thought it was interesting because then I ended up living years later uh, in an area or with a friend in an area that was it was like had been very much uh, like sort of a Jewish area in in Johannesburg that had now become this sort of gray area, but it was still very Jewish, but it was also college kids. And it was also is, like, wow. it was really interesting time. And that's when I worked at um, this record store. I wish I could Hillbrow records is what it was called. And, um, mm -hmm. and then what else? Oh, shit. That was a long, this is a long story. And I, I drew some pictures of, I did some illustrations for, for a, a magazines, like uh, uh, brochures for like insurance companies for a little while. That was ju that's just like a small like a local like uh, come and you know get your you're uh, an illustrator like a full not really album. like 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 come and get a thermometer put in your butthole uh, at this at this <laughs> and you write a cartoon of it or <laughs> yeah you draw a little like picture <laughs> of a thermometer and a butthole oh, that's it no I wish it was that interesting it was much more like you know wait can I ask does your publicist approve of this interview I feel like <laughs> they're here they 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 should okay, okay. but they <laughs> They're, hit, they're right there. They, 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 they just random dude giving you two thumbs up. That's amazing. Can I ask a random acting question real quick? Because I'm sorry, but your one of your favorite characters of mine was from blended. And I'm just so curious if you're like an improv dude or yeah, I'm just, I, that's my first question about acting, but I, I'm just curious if you're an improv dude, because it seems like you'd be amazing at it. 
Well, um, I haven't done too much of it, but uh, I would. I'm, I'm, but I'm willing to learn. Really? So, what's your acting? So, as First far as your ever. training, what do you, what do you consider you? Well, you just when, when I was when I was bartending, <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of uh, English grads who worked in bars in Charlottesville. Um, and other people that uh, pref- uh, started, uh, there's two, there was one called Offstage Theater and one, uh, there, and there was another one that, was, that wasn't uh, in random places that I've forgotten it now, uh, and they'll get mad at me when they, if any of them hear this. But, and, and then so we, I used to do, uh, when I was uh, 20, uh, in my early 20s, I used to do little acting things there and, uh, you know, try to figure out what the hell I was doing with myself i wanted to do something well he's in the last, the Brazilian, the last right? I, did, yeah. I think the last <laughs> thing i did with uh offstage theater was uh the band was already together i think a couple of the guys came to something i did in in the bars Leroy and carter i think they came to one of them and then now i you know you know if sandler calls me i'll do his movie yeah i was about like, to say y'all got a nice relationship yeah what's your most fun adam sandler experience of all the movies that y'all have done together so, so one time, and he he might not verify this, uh, because but but uh, it's mildly X-rated. But he called me up, mm-hmm. and he said, um, he said, "Hey, buddy, I got this one thing. I got this thing for you." He says, "You go, you got to read this." And it was actually for the part that I think Woody Harrelson ended up playing. So he obviously, uh, Adam, got a better option. But mm-hmm. um, it was when Woody played the trans woman or something in oh yes oh anger management anger management yeah but woody was woody was great he was anyway, good anyway he so was so uh, he was i think he was calling me about that I, i'm not 100 percent sure but it, but he said if i got the, i got this pop with you and i said uh i said uh <laughs> um i'll do anything for you he said i said you could dress you i said you could do anything you're amazing you could put a dress on and i'd probably you know, want to make love to you. And he goes, whoa. And he goes, and he goes, whoa, 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 buddy. You you could, you could, you could never, you can never ever make love to me. I'm sorry. He goes, you could even, maybe you could titty fuck my ass, but you can never go inside. You can never go in. And I was like, that's my, that's my greatest memory, memory of Adam. That is of Adam Sandler. I thought you was going to tell us you was a Jack and Jill or whatever. I was like, no. You could titty fuck fuck my my ass. ass. You can never go inside me. Oh, also, that God. impression is point on. It point. is point on. That is spot on, Sandman. I was, okay, I'm, I'm sorry to be heady about this, but so everything that happened between you and Nicole Kidman was scripted. Yeah, I mean, for the most, I mean, for the most, the stumbling was it was all pretty pretty scripted. She's pretty Ooh. shy, and Keith was Keith was around quite a bit too. Or um, uh, okay, guitar <laughs> players making it weird, awkward. <laughs> It's the funniest she's ever been. That's it. Yeah. yeah, but she's but she. You know what? What's interesting is is um how much she adores Adam Sandler because she said when she was first coming up, she said uh she was on Saturday Night Live and she was terrified and Adam was um just the nicest man and that's kind of it's kind of a tr- a thing that's interesting. He's like. Like you know, he's a he works as hard as anybody, but that mm. guy is absolutely one of the nicest people in the world. He is. He is. He absolutely is. All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. 
And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. David, I've been asked, I've been wanting to ask you this my entire life. We talked about, we've talked about this before, actually. You talked about the Beatles, the simplicity of melody, the simplicity of music writing. And yet when I listen to your songs, there's the time signatures are complex. The thoughts are complex. The harmonics are complex. It feels like, like one thought and then a different practice. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I have, I, I have learned nothing, (laughs) but like, but like (laughs) we've worked together for a long time. And like, it's like, it's you're, I think in your head and in my head, and I guess in songwriters heads, you want, you want to present the most simple thing, the most beautiful, simple, perfect thing. But yet for whatever reason, you get caught up, in the musicality of it all right and then would, and then you try to still right and then but but for whatever reason you're very successful at finding that in the end Medium. finding the most beautiful thing regardless right and so that has always been my like number one dave matthews thing your entire career as a fan as a person who knows you that just like i don't know how you do that i really don't and it's like it's really Fantastic. That I, I I don't know how better to say that in words. Well, that, that's 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 very kind. I, I do. Uh, I I have to say that I do. I want to say stop there. 
and don't right. fuck it up. Don't t- change it to five. Don't put it in eight for no reason and then switch it to four. What do you do? Why do I have to be so confusing? But then I, but then sometimes I can't stop myself. And then I just end up going in circles until it's too complicated. So I either throw it away or something. But I also have to say something that some, there have been specific times in my life when I've said, when I've come up with something that's, that's weird, a weird time signature, it's unusual, but I feel like it. And it's, I think a lot of it is sort of listening to some sort of Central African and West African grooves and how it sounds like it's here, but then it's actually over here. And, 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 and I don't know if I understand it, but I, but I still get inspired by it. And, and then I'll come up with something and I, and, and I think to myself, I think this will sound really good if Carter plays it, you know, because Carter will come in and make something that's really unusual sound like it makes sense. And I think it's a remarkable uh, gift. So sometimes I even go on tangents just to play for just, uh, Carter, who, um, who, if anyone that's listening doesn't know, is uh, the drummer that I've been lucky enough to work with for uh, <laughs> Trust me, they, we all know Carter Buford. <laughs> I know you guys know. But, but Amir, uh, like, how do you feel about a drummer like Carter? Because essentially your philosophies are completely and utterly polar right. opposite. So you want to know Let's, something? Because also, like, and I respect you both in so different ways, but no. like, it's a completely different thing. And it's fascinating to me. Here's, here's the funny super thing. Nerd. So the project I'm working on right now, right, is it was me looking at these guys, like a period between 94 to eh, 96. And it just hit me when I saw them, like, this is like when the second album first came out. And I saw him. Uh, so basically, what what Bill is explaining is that I have a very bare bones, straight pocket, and mm. it wasn't until I saw a you guys blooded pocket. <laughs> but it wasn't until I saw the earliest performance of un, unmentioned secret project I'm working on that it finally hit me. I was like, yo. Now, I saw this with at the drive-in. I saw this with, and then when I saw this also when they morphed into Mars Volta, and now I'm seeing it with Dave Matthews. I now know where the true creative home, where what I call gospel chop jumping, belongs. Carter is the perfect musical specimen of a drummer. Mm. For this particular ensemble situation where if it fits like a hand in glove. The problem I have is, all right, if you were to take Carter. He is gospel chops, you're saying. Yeah. He's transcended gospel chops. Like, it's, he's on a whole other level. Right. He's on his, but that's the thing. And, but the only reason why that level of drumming would be jarring for me is if, say, a tribe called Quest asked for the same sort of drummer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then mm-hmm. it would be different. But. I now like when I when I saw it, then I went on an instant rabbit hole and only watched pre ninety nine Dave Matthews to see them at their very beginnings, and I'm like, oh shit, you guys are actually the blueprint for where black music is today as far as rhythmically and structurally, and I don't think you guys know that, and I don't think that's for sure that we know that. <laughs> No, I don't think we know that. And it's just like only in Mars Volta and in the Dave Matthews band is that level of insane drumming 
like music to my ears where it's just perfect. Makes all the sense. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it right, does. right. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, again, again, I, I'll just sit here and I'll just uh, lie in that. Oh, wow, that sounds good to me. Wait, did I not make that clear? <laughs> no, you made it clear, but it was just it was kind of. Oh well, yes, I have a way to go around the the scenic route to to get to the point. Yes, but okay. Like so, it. what is your preferred method of songwriting? So, do, so do, do you do we, it alone, or do you guys get together? Or there's been times when, like the the I think sometimes the best of what we do is when we're all together in the room and and you know i'll I'll have i'll find an idea and 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 we'll like i one of my favorite songs that i think we've ever that ever put out called it's called virginia in in the rain and actually it only came out a couple of albums ago Mm -hmm. it's just this swimming kind of feel and it's crazy and it's so comfortable and everyone sounds exactly like everyone sounds and it but it's kind of a magical thing and and the way that the timing kind of has this upside down thing. And when we were first doing it, I think we all kind of almost had different ones, you know, it was like this, but the writing on that was all of us, you know, in the same space. And then there's times when, when I'll come in with a sort of almost finished song. And, and then also I have a, I have, I don't, it's not maybe traditional, but I have a, I think it's probably more common now, but there's a song like on the new record, uh, walk around the moon and obviously it was harder for all of us to get into a room together in the pandemic because we were all everyone's losing their minds and um so that was sort of a restrictive situation but you know in traditional terms i'd finished the song walk around the moon and then carter came in he was the first person to come in because uh the producer rob said uh we should get carter to play on this i we hadn't planned on making a record and um but when Carter first, he listened to that and he did his funny sort of writing down the arrangement. And and then he went out and what he played over it mm-hmm. was so bananas and so beautiful, so straightforward, but so bananas. It's like mm-hmm. uh, it like wrote it like here was the song was written here. And then what he did, like changed the song, but it didn't. It just made it way more what it was. And I think in a traditional sense, someone would say uh you know i'd say like oh i wrote that song mm-hmm. and you know maybe there have been times when i had but i i had to say carter wrote the song with me because just you know just the way he came in and so there's that that time so some songs come out of jams 99 percent of the time i write the lyrics afterwards which is why maybe so often they're gobbledygook um uh trying to kind <laughs> of figure out a way how to screw a lyric onto something that's jumping all over the place so whether i write a musical thing or form or a song by myself or the band gets together and we jam something or or it's a mixture of each thing the writing of the lyrics sort of comes at the end so that is so it the process that part of it doesn't change i love when we're all free and i you know there's times when i'll you know say to carter play something like play this you know or but there's also times where i where i don't say anything you know and mm-hmm. and i i would expect the same from him too you know uh i i, I do feel like uh very fortunate that that we've managed to have, like keep this uh process uh I, i've managed to keep this process a little bit of an exchange rather than getting into a place where uh you know i'm i'm telling everyone what to do because right. i think so much more power in 
at least in this band, we've all been together so much that, you know, with it, there's more noise to be had from other people that make make things surprising. For you, is is there, what what is your idea of musical happiness? Like, do you prefer small, small, intimate jamming situations with your band? Or actually, when's the last time you guys played in, you know, like Toad's A club? Up in, yeah, like Toad's oh, up in uh, Yale, like. Um, but we, you know, often when we play outside of the country, uh, outside of the U.S., you know, we play in smaller places. It depends. You know, we do. There's, you know, parts of Europe where we do better. But we're 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 more in a weird way. We're more of a like a cult band in the rest of the world than we are definitely than we are in the states. I mean, some you know, so some in Germany. Play, where are you playing? Like, how many people are you playing to in Frankfurt, think, Germany? Like two thousand or. Five, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know, five to two, five somewhere. We bounce around like wait, Portugal. They they like us there, so we do a little more. Uh, right, <laughs> we do a little more. We get a little more action in Portugal and Spain. We do all right. The UK is a little bigger, but then you know, once we get, but then it's a different. It's very the vibe is. It's so much fun to play to, a, you know, a different audience, an audience that we don't get to play in front of very much. You know, because we had this funny thing in the states that. That you know, we kind of came up, you know. Even though we have this, we have, we've been lucky at, at times more than others to sell out big places. Right. Um, we still kind of came up this way from our shows and sort of word of mouth. And so that we haven't d- had that opportunity as much in other places. And so our audience is sort of similar, but a little more excited about listening to us in other parts of the world than, um, than in the States. How can you plan a tour in which every territory varies in size? And I know that at your, your peak, your maximum, you guys are a fully operational, like, you know, uh, uh, 13, 14, uh, 18 wheeler truck, maybe, uh, I would assume, uh, at seven to 10, tour bus or private plane operation like but then you're saying that like if you go to glasgow scotland or something then you might have to small scale it so how how do you route and plan that out where some places you're you you can play ninety thousand? i guess we do them separate so you know we're gonna go to europe in the spring and so then we'll think of it like what can we do and you you know fenton who designs our stages and uh and uh does our lights and has for a long time but you know since like the first year that we were together but so like then he'll design a stage for for if we're in europe and and we'll be much and you know and and then our we'll take our core crew we won't need the biggest so it's just like a you know logistical change and and a lot of it's it's not and, and thank god it has nothing to do with me because that would be a shit show i love playing in the smaller different venues we were down in mexico you know, uh, Mexico City, a uh, few places to, at the beginning of the tour. And it's so much fun to play in places we don't go all the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's one thing to play in Cancun where it'll probably all be Americans. But if you go to Mexico City or Monterey or Guadalajara or whatever, then it's the audience is all Mexican people. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's just it's so much fun to play for a really different audience. And when we were down there, we had like a, a week or so, maybe a little more than that, somewhere around there when we were just all 
rehearsing together and mm-hmm. that was that was fun actually i think a lot um hopefully some new music will come out of that i think it's very fortunate especially now i mean there's ups and downs right but the way the band is right now i feel like um is as much fun playing with these guys as i've ever had so you know i was going to ask about that like the band has morphed so much in the past i don't know 10 years like how do you where, where do you find the happiness and where do you find the right thing yeah and adjusting i'm gonna add that to your question bill like Go. And adjusting to life after Leroy's transition. Yeah. yeah like, how do you... Because Roy was like... Uh, Roy and Carter... Roy's like the first person that I... It's like, you, you, know, you don't have better friends than him. He's a difficult friend, but you don't... You know, and, and musically, he's just... There's no one like him. He was so unique. And Jeff Coffin put it beautifully one, one time, who plays sax with us now. But, mm-hmm. but Jeff said um, what Roy had... and didn't realize much of the time was he had his own voice and that's like what every horn player dreams about. And, and it's true. Like Roy just had this, like I get to hear a recording, like just to hear one note and it just, and I, it just like Roy, just um, the memory of him. But I think, you know, so we go, we really miss him, but you know, and you go, you go up and down and, but right now the way the band is, you know, there's lots of gratitude and um you know because you know we still we're still paying for our own toothpaste and so um (laughs) um so that's good and we're living uh living well and it seems like the audiences are still enjoying it so you know this is this it feels like right now the last five years or so has been a really good a really good period for us i really feel grateful about it i also love playing you know by myself i also love playing with just me and tim i i don't know any opportunity to mm. the change is good too you know to scale down okay i'm thinking of life with steve and jonas back when we were in the house together all right oh god memories dave yeah peanut butter in the fridge or outside the fridge outside the <laughs> fridge outside the fridge agreed after it's open yeah. Yes. Always. Always. Oh, uh, y'all probably do that same thing with ketchup and mustard. Y'all leave that outside the refrigerator. Wait, you leave <laughs> no. peanut butter inside the fridge, Laia? Yeah. I mean, if you opened it. Yeah, anything that's opened should go in that's, the fridge. That's what I mean. y'all don't read the label. I don't read. If you're gonna leave it on the <laughs> shelf for a, a, a couple months, maybe. Yeah. But but I, you know, we go through our peanut butter. It's just, it's a, and, and we get the, you know, we get the crunchy all, all natural, but I think it's the same with the other ones. It turns into, it's, it's impossible. It's like the spread cement. Oh, in the refrigerator. Out of the fridge. So you have to take it out and leave it there anyway. It destroys your bread. If we're really going to ask questions this random, I got, I got a few questions in my own. Oh, shit. Here we go. My first random question is, um, there's a famous piano player slash arranger that did a lot of work on my favorite jazz label called CTI. His name's David Matthews. He's been heavily sampled as well. So Questlove yes. might know who he is. And I was just wondering if, because of the name, did you ever meet him or cross over with him or have publishing issues with him in any way? Because, or have you ever heard of David Matthews? Yeah, and we've had some, but but it's been more amusing than anything. I think there was... I think once he we we ran into each other in in uh and I do know him but 
uh, I think he may have come. He had to call the IRS and say, this oh, is wow. definitely not mine. This is not, <laughs> not my mistake. Um, wow. His, his estimates got blown up by David. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think yeah, he okay. may have been like, no, 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 no. That's the <laughs> other guy that sound, sounds a little like Kermit the Frog. Um, and wow. he doesn't do any arrangements. Um, okay. It was a, we had an amusing exchange um, in an airport. Okay. okay. Did a bunch of arranging too, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's most known for his, his arranging. arranging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a, a second random question. Do you remember being at Electric Lady Studios in the late 90s? Yeah. It must have been 97, 98, some 99 maybe. Um, and um, smoking a, a joint with D'Angelo. Yes. With two Man. other random guys. I was one of the other random Wait guys. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Tough Steve. to forget. And, I didn't and, know about this. No, but listen. It's before you was down. So then, um, so now I'm, you know, I'm excited, first of all, to be, uh, visiting D'Angelo in the studio, but now I'm fucking so st fucking high. And then that's which is fine. That's fine. Yeah. And he turns on, he starts playing the most insane. You, you'll agree with me, right? I mean, the music was so beautiful, was so insane. I mean, I hadn't heard any of it. So maybe you've been, you know, going, listening to it again. Was but this voodoo? I, it was like early voodoo? Yes, it was early okay. voodoo. voodoo. But yeah. it was but it was not what I heard. I mean, maybe On it's, the, uh, fucking, it, was, it took us four no, years to no. make that record. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm telling no. you, it was so banana. The music he played, I, I left like, you know, you know when you experience something when it's so beautiful that, you know, you're partly inspired and then you're also just like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. Why no. am I? What am I doing? I should, I need to just go back under the rock. Yep, where mm -hmm. I, where I, you came from, and shut the fuck up. Yeah, well, yeah. it makes you raise your game. Is what it does when you hear music like that. Because, like, you sort of see possibilities. It was, it, yeah, that was. I absolutely remember. It was so exciting. Oh, the root. Yeah, I think it was wow. playing the song, the root. Ooh, but that's a good one. The reason weren't you weren't there? This was like after. This was like vocals vocal sessions that just went on for a year so you weren't I know there, that but day. tell me how does Dave Matthews wind up at Electric he Lady He just shows up. Oh well that's yeah. my that's my no that's my actual question is what album were you working on cuz you were there for a session. Well I, I believe thought, I wonder cuz I I've done a few different things I, I think you were in your own I think you were down in the B room. Could we have been doing the Santana uh Oh yeah yeah. It might have there been There you go. Which I which I I have to tell you we planned that for a long time. I have to say, uh, my son uh, put put on the song that I sang on that Santana record, mm. and and then I hadn't heard it in a long time. And I have to say, I'm not sure what was wrong with me. But I, was little, <laughs> I, was, I, I was I was a little soft on that song. Kind of irritates me when I hear it. I'm a little soft. I'm a little like I don't know. I'm a little airy. I'm a little bit. Eh. <laughs> was, I mean, it's even it's like Kermit the Frog, like we, really tired. None of us and, like um, what we do ten years, twenty uh, years ago, ever <laughs> on Santana records. Oh, yeah, my son played, and, and, and I was. You know, he's been getting into some Santana, and he listened to that, and he goes, he goes, it's it's. I said, oh, I, I sound terrible, and he goes, my son of he he confirmed it by going, it's not your best, Dad. Oh, he, he's the best. He's the best.
Like, August. August is like takes you right to their right to the right to your heart, huh? Yeah, he said it's not your best. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of uh, Santana, okay, so where did you get the idea? So the thing is, is that we're doing our first stadium show, and, you know, the stadium holds like 70,000 people, but I think... An accumulation of it, because we're the opening act, is the Roots, Santana, and then Dave Matthews Band. And, you know, there, there might be, be 5,000 people. Now, I, I just came from an arena show last week. I went, I went to witness what I call Swiftville. Racist. Or, yeah. and it, <laughs> and, no, no, no. It was something to behold, especially I'm as sure. an outsider. Yeah. It was it was something to behold, but the thing is, is that I know a lot of people who I know a lot of kids who went down to that, uh, you know, uh, yeah, just friends of friends that said we're going to Pittsburgh. So I yeah, was, the town was so packed, I had to get a hotel in Cleveland, Ohio, 
<laughs> like any anywhere she goes, she's gonna bring at least at least two billion dollars worth of business. So I, I want to I want a science study just on that alone. But my whole point was that so you know we're about to go out on stage, and then you come and you're like, I'm gonna introduce you guys, and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't happen. The 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 opening the headliner of the place isn't supposed to come out. You know, the bride's not supposed to see the groom on the wedding day. <laughs> and you came out, and it was as if the audience knows that you do that. Mm. Because instantly, like within 10 seconds, that shit went to like 14,000 people. And you not only introduced us, but then you stood on stage and watched us because you knew that your fan base would come from their tailgate parties outside to watch you watch us. Hmm. So wh- where did you get that idea from? Because that's, that's, you didn't have to do that. But w- where did you get that idea from? Well, you know, uh, I, I, it, it's probably pretty simple. So I, um, I had a few, you know, experiences when we were coming up. You know, we had a few experiences where, where you know, the, where the audience was coming for the, main headline act. right and 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 so and that was always it, it was uh, it was quite often it was humbling and sometimes it was sometimes things turned out well i mean we had a great time we opened up for the dead one time in vegas and 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 everyone had warned us that the the dead audience is not into the opening act yeah man um, and, then yeah. The fun, and then the funniest thing is um they loved us which maybe says something about us they were all they were all dancing and spinning around there having a blast uh but <laughs> but it wasn't always like that. And um, I, but I remember one specific time. It was, I think, <clears throat> Carter and I went to, I think we were actually playing between this uh, Blues Traveler were, had two sets. They were playing two sets. And we were playing mm-hmm. between them. Oh, wow. And, okay. And there were these two dudes right in front of me uh, in the audience and so my monitor's there, and then there's these two dudes, and they were just at the top of their lungs. They were screaming, like essentially, like "fuck you, you fucking suck, fuck <laughs> you, fuck." And it was like they would have taken a break anyway. Um, right. They were so furious, and and they didn't stop. They were relentless. And then I kept like it's it, I could I could barely. I mean that's all I could hear. <laughs> And then I kept turning around to Carter because he's, you know, he's a he's a great drummer, but he's also quite often my therapist. And I'm like, <laughs> these dudes are, these guys are really fucking wearing me out. And Carter's like, just play the fucking song because he they were wearing him out too. <laughs> and we only had a few, but I always remembered that, and I always remembered like, like I wanted to say, they invited us to come and play in between their fucking set. Right and, right, and right, right. So I guess that that was the the motivation was just that, like I was really f- excited that you guys were opening the starting the show. Like so, I was I want to make sure that the that the you know, like it's the whole show. Right. And so that's how I felt about it. It was the it was selfish. All right. So check it, check it, check it. You just reminded me of one of the most hilarious moments. Open it for you. Okay. So we did Philadelphia with you first. Then we did uh, uh, aforementioned uh, giant uh, New York 
where you know I had to fire. Oh yeah, and then <laughs> and then okay, so we get to Boston, right? And now we're kind of feeling ourselves, like mm. okay, this is not intimidating. We we got this, you know, because even we were, you know, we just started going to the next level. So this is all very new to us. So this is this is some Daddy Warbucks meets Annie sort of like experience for us, where it's like. <laughs> All right, so then we we get to the first song, right? We get to the first song, and already, this is the first day. This is the first day that we have the new implemented communication mics that we saw you guys having, right? So I'm realizing that we can play, do background vocals, and crack jokes, and, you know, Mm. so we're in our zone. And then the whole audience was, like, saying, like, And you know, by the time we got to song three, I was like, yo, we are killing shit, yo. (laughs) I know how this ends. I was like, yo, dude, fucking Dave Matthews might kick us off the tour for kicking his ass so much. We we are fucking killing it. Right? I said, yo, we are fucking killing shit, y'all. Let's keep it up. And the monitor guy was like, um, a- actually, guys, th- they're saying Yankees suck. Yankees suck. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what, what, what are you talking about? He's like, uh, he, he has a Yankees cap on. <laughs> and we. <laughs> Who had the Yankees cap on? Tariq. Tariq. Like, yeah, Tariq. <laughs> who's, who's from Philly anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing Tariq, Tariq is not a, he's not a sports guy he was just matching his outfit and no I yeah. and and he's like but this was also in 2004 where oh yeah 2004 where, Ooh. where, where Boston yeah. beat yeah. their ass right mm-hmm. so oh my god we Man, thought we that's pretty that's a pretty good that's a pretty good story that we thought like we was that. killing it and then yeah, when, and then, and then suddenly the audience was like, "Yes, yes!" Now yes. throw it! Now throw it! <laughs> no, he did. Yeah, and literally, and then Tariq was like, "Yo, I'm sorry, y'all. I was just color coordinating my outfit. Like, I I didn't mean any offense." And he threw it, <laughs> and they just. <laughs> Yo, right. hey, quick music question since we on this because Amir always talks about Dave Matthews Band and 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 the Dead and BC Boys kind of being his uh, blueprint as far as the structure of what they did in shows and stuff. Dave, when you were creating your band, was there other bands that you looked at in that way, like from a business structure or from just touring or anything that you were like, this is what we're, we're aiming towards? I was, um, I have to say that I was uh, going pretty blindly. Um, mm. And and it was really, you know, I was ex- really excited about uh, playing in a band, you know, and I was really excited about Leroy and Carter and, Stefan, I was just, I, it just was like a, there was, there was something that was happening that was, was, was exciting, you know, like uh, mm. we playing this one gig where uh, it was like, I think it was Earth Day um, and it was one of our earliest gigs and we were supposed to go on f- like f- second or first and then the band that was supposed to go on after us said, hey, could you go, we got another gig and so could you go uh, later and we'll we're like okay 
And that happened over and over again until we were, I think we were the last band to go on. And it was an evening show and it was on a mall. And, and I remember when we got up to play, nobody knew who we were. We didn't even know who we were. And then, you know, there's probably of, of the, maybe there was a thousand people there at one point, but when we went up there, there was a hundred people or something. And, um, but boy, when Carter, when we started, they all got up and they all started dancing. And so it was like this funny moment of like, we're just something, we got something going on. And that sort of around Charlottesville. And, and then, you know, we started, you know, got a couple of odd gigs here and there. And they didn't always work out. But there was something that pulled us. And I think, you know, it was meeting the right people who had had ideas about how we could get up in front of more people. And, you know, starting to play in universities and, and the words started started going around. I think the fact that we didn't have a lot of music and we improvised and and we had to make shit up and, and so the shows were varied and different. Like I think that I remember there, there was a lot of colleges when we played that mm-hmm. where, where people would say, Do you know any replacements? And we'd be like, No. <laughs> Do you know We're like, No. You guys suck. You know, we'd get a lot of <laughs> Well wait a minute. Also be- so you're telling me that your your college presence was based on filling in for other acts because that's how we came up. Like no, it, and it wasn't. It, it was eventually. It wasn't that. I mean, it was like. But I mean, we went from like sometimes being accepted because somebody in a college liked us to like sort of like colleges where we'd go to places we'd never played before, and everyone would be singing our. And we didn't have any music out, and everyone would be mm-hmm. singing along. It, it got really, it got, we got this little cult thing in the in the yeah in the universities that was kind of okay. crazy. You know, I remember uh, we went up. To, we we had this nightmare where we drove over these snowy mountains. We were supposed to go around the mountains because it was the middle of winter in Maine, and it, but we didn't. Nobody. We they sent us the wrong instructions, and we went over the top, and it was a nightmare. We 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 slid down a mountain in a van with a trailer, and when we got there, we were pretty. We were pretty hot, and we were, and we were two hours late. They were like, "You're late," and you know, we're like, "Fuck you!" And then, <laughs> but then when we got on stage and we started playing, the crowd was really excited, and they were priority, you know, wasted. But they all started singing all the music so loud, all the songs to us, and so it was kind of like this: "What the hell's happening? We haven't even right. been here." Yeah. We never even been over this mountain. You know? What year was the sea change for you? Like, what year was the year in which? And how intimidating was it to like, wait a minute, what do you mean we can play stadiums now? Like, I mean, I remember getting to the, one of the guys who worked with us, one of our A&R guys, when we played before we had to put out an album or anything, but we were going to put out an album and we were playing like Irving Plaza, I think, and it was packed. And the, and the head of our record company said, how, how much money did we have to pay to get all these people here? And you know, so much, it was so disconnected, uh, sort of the record industry from mm. what we were was just that they had nothing. He, he couldn't even, he didn't even, like he had barely heard of us. And so, you know, it was, it was a funny, we were almost like chasing in a funny way. We were working hard, but we were like chasing our, chasing the audience in a funny way. We weren't. Right. But they were chasing us. I don't know what the right analogy would be. 
Yeah, it seems like it's a small amount of groups in this world that have existed that have a following in common like you. Like I I was just talking to, I have a high school girlfriend that as long as y'all have been out, her and another girlfriend have been following you guys and they've done like up to the coast. They started at the top and they've gone down. These are black girls, which mm -hmm. is also kind of really dope too because they say they they see each other at Dave Matthews shows. It's like, that's a whole nother contingency of like black people who like really literally physically David. follow you. Yeah. yeah, it's really real. Four of my staff members are like true Dave heads. And yeah. Shout out to Candace, Bobo, and Zinga Paris. They wanted me to say their names in this Wait, episode. And Zinga Brown. I got, I got a question. In the 30 years of touring and whatever, what's the best thing you've seen from the stage that you say on the microphone back to Carter that gets <laughs> the best laugh from the band? What's the best thing? All I can think about is uh, is is Teddy's. It is. Right? <laughs> I knew it was nasty. You know, you know and it was, you know, it was, with definitely, titties, jazz, with it was definitely, definitely jazz fest. Seems like jazz fest. There's a, a lot of tit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's what, yeah. you, you think I will say something that's funny that if you just if you just look a little further, like because usually it's on someone's shoulders. Um, yes. So I think it's funny when um, the person that's carrying the person that has the titties doesn't know <laughs> that, that the titties are out. Because, <laughs> and they may not know, but when they sometimes when they find out, there's the sort of like Piss. suddenly there's people and then everyone's excited. And then, but so that there's there's a there's a different there's different nuance. There's, it's an it's it can be a nuanced situation where there's different emotional there's different input there's different excitement and different <laughs> perspectives not just um based on alcohol content too as well could yes. be anything there's not as many boobs nowadays as you know they're or like different the boobs alt boobs <laughs> different kinds of boobs i have a uh, i have a non titty question if that's all right um <laughs> so with regards to what we were discussing with with touring and and you mentioned the grateful dead and you mentioned you you played you opened up for them once um so at the time and i'm not sure if, if we're around the same age or whatever but i was uh in 93 let's say you mentioned i was 23 and we had in college we had seen a lot of grateful dead shows um uh, prior to jerry passing away and uh, either they were either winding down or he had already passed and you were on on an upward trajectory or just come out in a way and in at least in my little group it was like well what now and then it was kind of like well dave matthews band now you were the you were going to be the next thing jerry, that jerry garcia well not necessarily but like the next the next band that people could uh literally follow around physically and travel around and mm -hmm. tour with them and tailgate and have that whole kind of deadhead type of uh, situation so did you sense any of that or was that just between me and my friends where we had felt that you were the next coming of let's say that type of touring yeah i think we definitely felt like some i, I definitely remember feeling like some some of that was happening but then you know that was all i also think about like fish were you know peers and 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 they definitely held that place and then when i think about the bands we kind of came up in this in that time i suppose somewhat a, a culture of 70s rock and a lot of that being the dead 
was like if you think of there was a like Colonel Bruce and there were all these sort of interesting bands that were also sort of a crossover with jazz and stuff. So there was there seemed like there was a sort of a a groundswell of bands that were kind of doing that. And um and we were super lucky, obviously. And um so I felt that I remember we were in um we were in like within a couple of days of Jerry dying, we were in San Francisco. And I remember walking around, you know, uh, and and people were like, literally in the people were walking around the streets, literally saying, "What do we do?" Right. You no, know, it, it was it was kind of amazing to see these people who who had like their their whatever how wherever they were in their adult lives had really been wrapped around around that culture, and I don't think anyone will ever replace that. Or, or take over but and we may have certainly gotten some of that or been you know in some ways similar to to what they represent and at times maybe more effective um in in our spontaneity than others but i don't think i don't think that ever you know they were so unique that i i kind of felt even though it wasn't part of as big a part of my of my musical upbringing when I was in San Francisco and walking around and people were going like, what are we going to do? Like, I was like, wow, this, this is like a, this is like a different world of, of musical cult, musical devotion that I've never, you know, that, I mean, the Beatles had theirs, but they never had anything like that. They never had like people going, what right. am I going to do? I mean, I remember being heartbroken when John Lennon died, but it wasn't going to change my bus schedule. You know right. well, I mean? when the, But when the Beatles broke up, there were people running around saying, what are we going to do? Oh, but yeah, wait, yeah. let me let me ask, like for you though, <laughs> is jam band a four letter word to you? Because I don't, I don't. I, you, know, you guys I never, are way more advanced than I'll say at least eighty percent of that circuit. I mean, there's some cats I, now I, like I, Snarky I, Puppy that's kicking ass, but they are kicking ass. And then you but know, and they're, they're not, not jam band either. But they're not right. They're not. But it's interesting it's, though, because that's that's scripted. Thing. I think it's where we didn't decide you don't decide where you go where you get put you know in some ways and so i don't feel like that i never uh felt like we belonged to uh i always thought that was a somewhat it was just a a term a convenient you know sort of odd uh, you know and that we got an audience and and we get to play for them and it and i you know in a weird way jam band i don't know who came up with it but it's you know obviously jamming as people do that um but but <laughs> it seemed to be somewhat dismissive you know you know yeah. it's like yeah well, if oh, someone's using jam band it's usually in a disparaging way like a, a critic yeah. uh they're the a, jam, are a jam band like they're well, jam it's band. All it's, fucking jam well band. the thing was we tried to avoid it because i saw so many bands catching flack for it but then you know for us i feel like especially in the state of black music the 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 band is dying the group is dying uh, music, a level of musicianship is dying, so we're now we have this like vigorous like purpose to literally carry the the history of like a hundred years of of black music mm. on our backs in our show. So we got to do break beats and we got to do hip hop and we got to do jazz and we got like so. I think our thing is a little different, and also in this place where I just I've learned not to manage people's expectations anymore. So you know. There, if you notice, like I, well, I don't know if you know, not being at root shows, but I purposely stopped doing drum solos, like maybe in 
2007 because I didn't want to get pegged as a jam band. So I was like, oh, I'll stop doing drum solos. But I mean, now I don't care. But it's just like, I think, you know, well, his jam band might be my Neo Soul. Like, I remember, like, I'm not Neo Soul. That's something that a corporate board yeah. made up. So that's why I wanted to know if, if jam band was a four letter word. So I, I get where, 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 where you're coming from with that, too, because, but mainly as a, as a d- dismissive thing, because the funny part is that, you know, when I first heard Carter, he was playing in a band called Secrets, and it's like this most insane fusion band and mm-hmm. a bunch of different, you know, Tim had played with them, and I think Roy may have sat in with them a few times. There's, I mean, they were crazy. It was an insane band. Everybody was better than the other guy, you know? And I used to watch them, and then Roy, I mean, he played anything, but I'd see him, he'd be playing jazz, and... and um and beautiful, just mm-hmm. you know, the first one of the first times I ever saw Roy, I just could, I couldn't even believe that that this this gem lived in this town I'd moved to to be closer to my mom. You know, I was like, oh my god, this guy's insane. And and um and 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 Stefan was like this. He came suggested to us. So the backgrounds of where everyone came from was not from like. It wasn't because everyone was listening to the dead, so we didn't have that connection to that that idea. Right. You know? Okay. I mean, I had one. I had one dead album. It was acoustic record, and every time I start describing it, de- dead fans go, "Oh, you had that record." So, um, but uh, and I loved <laughs> I it. Like dead fans. But I, you know, but uh, and I loved it. It was, it was. It was a li- yeah. Probably this was. A, it was a, no. It was a live record. It was a studio. It was the acoustic. Yeah, it at the uh, it was at front at Radio City Music Hall. Steve, you're a deadhead. I'm deadhead adjacent. All my friends, my friends in in college were deadheads, so they they dragged me to a bunch of shows. And mm-hmm. you know, but as you guys are talking, I mean, there's 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 obviously crossover between a band like the Grateful Dead and and Dave Matthews Band, even though there's no direct influences necessarily. And then there's there's crossover in the audience between the Roots and the Dave Matthews Band. I've been at at festivals. Absolutely. Where you, the roots fit in great with quote unquote jam bands in the same same set. You know. Well, I think if anything, we've learned to shapeshift. So you know, <laughs> we we've shapeshifted to any band that we open for. So it's just you guys like live. I love it. Yeah. Did, Thank did you. you ever meet Jerry? That one time you opened up for him. Did you meet him? I did not. I, I we had this. We have this habit, and we did it with I, a lot of the bands that we opened up for. Is we, we would just uh, stay out of the way. Mm. And um, I don't know what it is. Just polite. We're going to open up. Like if we're going to open up for the Stones, just go to your dressing room and shut the fuck up. And uh, <laughs> and and then and then the weird thing is that a lot of the time, then you do meet them. So you know, you get to meet Bob or you get to. But I didn't mm. meet Jerry that time. Um, you know, so you, you never done a Dead and Company or Phil Lesh and Friends or none of that. I haven't. You know, maybe okay. though. You know, I have not. Um, Can I ask one final question. Yes. Dave, your your band has covered a lot of tunes. Uh, Peter Gabriel, uh, Bob Dylan. What's a song you? Yeah, wish that's you Sledgehammer. Wrote? God damn, Sled, the Sledgehammer slamming. It always has ooh, been. Whatever. Ooh. Jesus Christ, Dave. Like, what's what's one? What's a song you wish you wrote? What's the one song you wish that you? Well, Sledgehammer. But I, but I, it's so outside. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an insane. That's a perfect song. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole. I, I don't know. That's it's perfect. It's it's impossible. There's a lot of songs I wish I wrote. 
and and but I you know I what's your favorite Beatles song? Um, I, that's that's an impossible thing to say, but uh, well, you answered the Starbucks question. Uh, you know, <laughs> which is your favorite drink? You can answer this, <laughs> but like so quickly too. He knew uh, like well, I know if I pull over at Starbucks, exactly what I can have. It's gonna right. I know what it's you know, but I mean, it my mood will change. Have uh, Hey Bulldog is pretty. Um, that's um always there you sick. go. There you go, Amir. That, that started at work. There you go. Yep. Nice. Hey, Bulldog. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before I close, I want, I want to test out my rapid fire random 10, which I think I'm going to lean more into that for future episodes. All right, Dave. Um, I'm really slow at this. No, 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 no. Just rapid fire. Say what's on your mind. All right. What, what is your secret talent that we don't know? I think I'm a pretty good. I, may, maybe I could have been an artist in a different life. Illustrator. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I might have been a painter. Maybe if I... Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, do you do you paint in your spare time? Yeah, I do. 
I'm all right. I'm a collector of artwork, so I'll be coming for you. Okay. Anyway, text, call, or FaceTiming? Text and FaceTime. Depends <laughs> who it is. No one calls anyone. That's a shitty question. No one calls anyone. Who calls people? Yeah. People no over calls. 40 call. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. My wife uh, calls me, and I always look at it expecting her <laughs> face to turn up. But it, <laughs> then, then I always FaceTime her, and then she has me in the cup holder. Or wherever. Because <laughs> some people think it's rude to FaceTime cold. You're supposed to text or something first. Oh, yeah. Uh, not my I life. hate that. Like a I hate that. The yes. yeah, no, I text. I generally text. It's pizza night. Mm. You're ordering. Mm. What are you ordering? Oh, this is pressure. Fresh veg or a <laughs> lot of meat. Wow. So wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Uncle Jay, Cousin Jake, fresh veg or lots of meat. Either way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel Well, like wait a minute, Amir. You, you got to ask him if you're in Philadelphia, is it a cheese steak or is it a chicken cheese steak? Ooh. I I don't I don't want to I I got to tell you, I I don't want to cross I always want you have to tell me where to, this is how I answer that question. Where should I get? Oh, no, no, no. From now on, I'm sending every comrade oh, of God. mine. Here you go. JL, just shut up. Like, JL oh, Jupiter's. Jupiter. Yes. J, I, I I'll give them JL Jupiter's YouTube page and he will lead them to the best this. stakes. All right, how many? How many? Un, I, I got five more left, and then I'll let you go, Dave. <laughs> how many unread texts are in your phone? Of uh, that that I have not read that someone else has sent me. I um, well, I suppose that's the only ones there'd be, right? What's wrong? <laughs> right um, now, none. there there are three hundred and thirty five in my phone. None. Four ninety nine. No, hold on. <laughs> well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna text Dave Matthews and blow this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> No, uh, I, I, I'm, I, che- I don't always respond, but I always check my. Text. All right, so but you emails. at least check, but you don't respond. <laughs> but emails. Okay. You're not an email person. Like a million. Oh, Jesus. a million. I, I about you know. But Dave, under a thousand. <laughs> Dave, you be careful of the read receipts, the red receipts. Okay. Be careful of that since you're not answering them. You know, people can see when you're looking at the text message. No, oh, yeah, the you thing. can hide it. You mm-hmm. can hide it now. Uh, I don't oh, care. Oh, that little okay. thing that does this. Is like, <laughs> no, it literally says we get a message that says he read it. He just ain't right. answer. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, no, there, there. But there's an there's a there's a switch button on your iPhone that can take that off. I immediately did that because everyone's you. like, I know you read it because it says you read it. And so I was like, nope, I'm not. I don't trust that shit. Sometimes, sometimes I, uh, if, if it's like a, a holiday or, or it's my birthday, I'll just, um, paste like, thanks, love you. And yeah. Oh God. I, yes. I'd be like, thanks, love you. Thanks, love you. Thanks. Love you, thanks, love you, thanks. <laughs> and I mean it, that- but, but it's like, right. that's, sometimes you just have to take it. You have to- like happy Father's Day. Thanks, love you. Thanks. Love oh, you. Thanks. Oh, right. Back at you. Back happy at Father's you. Day. Quality one. Back at you. All right, four more. What's your ice cream flavor? I love ice cream. There's a great place, Molly Moon's, here in Seattle that I love. But there's, I love all, I love ice cream. But I got to tell you, there was this my most emotional response. There's, uh, and it's yeah, you know, I wish it was organic, and but it's ice, it's ice cream. I wish it was healthy, but it's ice cream. Is uh, black raspberry chocolate ice cream 
from um, it's a it's a specific grocery like store. raspberry with chocolate chips. Be the shit. That sounds like Cherry chips. Garcia from Ben. And Actually, no, 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 no. That's Cherry, not. But it's but it's, it's black. I think it's black raspberry chocolate. It's just it's not. There's no lumps or chunks. Oh. It's oh. <laughs> a great oh, oh. No lumps or chunks. I'm, yeah. I too am a connoisseur of the ice cream, so I, I'm, I'm that's 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 different. <laughs> it's, from a, it's from a grow. It's uh, it's like a it's <laughs> made by, but I can't remember the chain. But I was really into it, and then I was like, I can't just. I, that's the only time I've had a really. Didn't you have your own flavor? No, of uh, the Ben and Jerry's. It never. It, it nope. didn't make it like fish. Uh, it didn't make it like Jerry oh, Garcia. I think we had two. Jerry so, Garcia is cream? the king. Jerry that Garcia. No. That, that Jerry Garcia is good. I do the fish food is good too. Fish food is a game change. In my okay, I gotta try it. Opinion. I gotta try it. I don't know. All right, Amir, what's next? Yeah, what's next? I'm sorry. Yeah, we're making your your questions longer. Uh, okay. Uh, what time do you wake up? Ooh. And what are the first three things you do when you wake up? That's habitual every day. Amir, you are very good at this. Okay, so down. when I'm at home. I like to wake up early and take my boy to school. Um, although that's going to end soon because he's mm -hmm. good parenting. But, but I like the process of getting up with him. Um, but when I'm on the road, I don't have to do that. So, and then I like if I get up before my wife, then I don't do this. But if I do get up after her, I like to make the bed. And always the first thing i do is uh is is make myself coffee i like to make my wife coffee but i don't always know how she likes it because we're always changing but i like i just like that's the first thing i don't want to i don't want to do anything else that's what okay. i want to do that's what i do first um on the road i i uh coffee and then exercise mm. but at home coffee and then think wish I, sh I should be going to exercise that's what i think <laughs> like th I, i've been busy but but it's been three I've, I've been home for a few days and every day i say tomorrow i'm gonna exercise and then i don't yeah i got I a see. trick for that all you gotta do is put your workout clothes on in the, in the beginning of the day when you wake up and it'll I make almost you do i look i look I at that. my workout clothes oh, i sleep in my workout clothes <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I look at them and then I go, yeah, but I'm going to put those other ones on and I'll put the workout clothes on later. <laughs> Sometimes I put on my – and my workout clothes involve, just so you know, also involve like the the compression knee things, which is yes. good looking. Yes. And so I put the compression knee things on. Sometimes I'll put the compression knee things on and my whole workout outfit, which is pretty amazing. And then – I don't work out sometimes. Because you're tired from putting on all that compression shit. That shit will tire you out. <laughs> Pulling shit up. You say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. If the universe grants you a five-year extension to prolong your favorite age. Ooh. You, did you, you, you chat GPT this shit? Like, what is happening? You did. No. No. Oh, I'm just... Uh, I threw the script away, and I'm just having a conversation right, with it. my friend. All right, Dave. What's the universe the allows you to live five years your age? in your favorite age. What age would it be? And why? I, I This is what's coming to my mind, and so I have to say it. But I, w I was going to say 56, which is what I am, and I'm, but I'm because I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah. But I, the, an age that struck me was 50. I didn't think when I turned 50 that I'd be um, – 
that I would notice something, but I noticed something that I wish I noticed when I was 30, which is I, I didn't stop giving a fuck. Um, but I stopped giving a fuck about shit that I shouldn't give too much of a fuck about. Oh, teach me. <laughs> Great one. Oh, teach yeah, us. Because Stop I was managing people's expectations. Yeah. Yes. I stopped. I was like, if, you know, did, did I do something wrong? I didn't right, do anything right. wrong. You know, I'm try. I want to be, I want to be present. I want to be helpful. I want to be that. But, um, but I, but you know, I, I stopped caring. Playing music started to be easier. Um, because I was, I felt like um, people would rather see me stick my tongue out and have a good time than when I'm playing on stage. Then they would want to see me wondering whether I am doing my job well. Mm. Okay. Mm. All right. Second mm. to last. This is existential. Is the grass greener on the other side? That is awesome. is I like so that. Fantastic. Wasn't there a book in the seventies that was uh, that was called "The Grass Is Always Greener Over the Septic Tank"? Yes, Timothy Leary. Ooh, Timothy Leary. Really? No. Really? No. I made I made that up. I made that up. Shut Thank up. God. I made that up. I, I totally like, fucking no, made that, that up. That doesn't sound. Moving that on. doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It's like there's a rat at but, dinner. I don't know what's happening. But but uh, we did actually have a. a septic problem when i was a kid in new york and uh out on in the front lawn we didn't realize but then the septic tank blew up and we had to have it you know drain whatever you do you had to have a new one put in or they had to have it drained i don't know what happened anyway yep. anyway then tomatoes started growing on the lawn <laughs> and so my mom was like free tomatoes and my brother's like i'm not eating those Shit tomatoes. tomatoes they're poop oh. tomatoes they're poop tomatoes yeah, they were. They went through us, and then they uh, and they grew in the yard. Wait, that's such a thing. Yeah, I think if you poop tomato seeds, um, and you a, no, uh, you mm -mm. turn the soil. No, and then you turn the soil. No day. Y'all fucking with us, David? No. There's a there's what a story happened? here. My brother said I'm not eating those tomatoes because I don't I don't I'm not eating those poop tomatoes. <laughs> that's disgusting. Did he say like, poop tomatoes? Poop gone. This might be my favorite interview. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like, 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 there's weird things that happen. Like, like, is it a fig? The fig is the fig that, in order for a fig to be a truffle. No, in order no. for a fig uh. to be to turn into a fruit to be fertile, is it ha a, a wasp has to have I'd maybe have been to another the opposite sex and then gets stuck in the flower and then the wasp gets absorbed into the fig so when you eat what a fig the? there's been a wasp that was absorbed it's no longer there there's not like a wing in there but i'm just there's, there's gross things out there it is wow. and badly they, they use coffee made it from shit right so national yeah. geographic Dave Matthews. yeah all right what's your last one amir go ahead yeah dave Wait. matthews okay how many push-ups can you do Go. I think I could do uh, 30. No. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's, that's impressive. That that's is impressive. Six. That's impressive. Really? Six. Six. No. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to do them right now. For <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I thought you was going to ask the other, the other question. Dave, yay or nay, microdose? Yes. Oh. Dave's yay. 
I knew he was with us. Of course. And sometimes. Macrodose. Macrodose. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, did you just not do a great interview on Howard Stern where you talked about how you wrote uh, the the title track to your last album on Mushrooms? Is that correct? Oh, shit. Uh, it certainly it was, was fantastic. It was certainly some of it because it was uh, it was I mean, that was I mean, it was for my good fortune there 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 are they are around sometimes and um mushrooms and mm-hmm, yes. uh and that pandemic unless mm. <laughs> it's the mushroom it could seem like a good time i mean why not <laughs> what the fuck oh my god oh, oh dave dave dog uh this is definitely like doing a show with 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 an old friend because I hardly ask. I hope your publicist and your label ain't mad that we didn't talk more about song structure. And sorry, and, the new uh, record's great. Yes. yes. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to. We don't. We you know. Thank you, man. I appreciate I, it. I really enjoyed talking. Now, this is what I want to talk about. What we talked about exactly. Hey. Uh, well, that was talk. beautiful. Hopefully, we'll have you back on some more. I so. really enjoy. It. I, I, and I'm, it's nice to hang out with you all. And um, I tell you, Amir Quest, it's. Uh, I'm always happy to see you. Thank you, sir. Uh, and I love you, your music, and I think you're unbelievable. And I, and I love the work you're doing. And I, you know that I, I, I love his music. How much, I, how much that film meant to me, and you know, or that series meant. It's just like I can't tell you. Another thank summer you. of soul. Summer thank of soul. you. Made me thank so, you so much. You already squeeze it, but I just made me so happy. Like it's like uh, I love f- looking for the truth that's in our history and. And um, and I just and and you did it so eloquently and oh. uh, shared it with everyone. I think is just magic. And so thanks for having me. Stop smiling, like you, because she <laughs> she's smiling because she knows you, that you're doing good. No, I love I love the compliments. Flowers. Like yeah. you. He, he wasn't all Dave. You know, he wasn't always able to take the flowers. So he's doing real good. He's still cutting you off <laughs> slightly, but he's this is really good. This is progress. I gotta go because I have another interview to do, ladies and gentlemen. No, thank, thank you, Dave. You, Dave. I'm hugging you. I thank appreciate you. it. Really this is awesome. It. Take care. On behalf Bye, on behalf of uh, uh, of unpaid bill and sugar Steve. And like you, the great Dave Matthews. We will see you next time on Quest Love Supreme, y'all. Thank you. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.